What does life produce? What does life produce? Welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike our way through Wikipedia. I am your host tonight, Tim, and with me, as always, are my cryptids. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm, uh... <laughs> well, I was going to do, like, a Bigfoot joke, but that doesn't work right here. I'm Kyle. <laughs> uh, hi, Dad. I'm tired. <laughs> okay. Uh, what we do here too, is... Too tired have... to do a dad joke. Well, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the most cryptic cryptic creature of all there we go the failed dad joke uh so we head uh from one page on wikipedia to another uh going from link to link on each page and uh the first person to reach the destination page tonight will win absolutely nothing but that's okay we just have fun doing it yeah tonight we are going to start with uh a uh mysterious creature uh, Mothman. Mothman. And we're going to go to a creator of... I guess you could say they're mysterious creatures. Uh, Douglas Adams. Oh, wow. Not Scott Adams. Douglas Adams. Yeah, no. Okay, just want to make sure. Like, because I had, I, had no. ri- I had written down this destination like a week ago for this plan. Yeah. And then I looked back at it, and I'm like, why did I write down the Dilbert guy? You're like, oh, no. no. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, I didn't. I'm good. No, no, Tim, you mean the chaotic good person, not the lawful evil. Right. There we go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I got you. Uh, so, <laughs> to decide who is going to start first tonight, uh, I created a thought experiment for the two of you. Uh, I wanted to know... Uh, what is an urban legend that aliens tell their children about humans to creep them out? And I look forward to hearing your responses to this. Uh, which of you would like to go first? Uh, I, I can go. I can start song. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kyle. Uh, so when a you know when they're around the campfire, uh, uh, or you know what's a let's see. Uh, the the I guess you know the space campfire is what I'm going to go with. Mm. Uh, they're you know they're trying to tell these these stories that are uh, just these different things that they've heard about humans to try to creep each other out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one the one kid is you know just finishing his story where of course the 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 guy with the hook for his hand you know shows up and you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. But uh, the other the other kid like is like okay whatever. Zordak, but like, listen, listen, the really, what the really scary thing about humans, you know, like what I heard, what I heard <laughs> is that they're actually like really poisonous and there's like this, like this quiet gasp around, like what, you know, like around the campfire and like, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I hear that like, especially like the males of the humans are like super poisonous. In fact, like, yeah, oh, they can't even like. They can't even like be around each other at like sporting. You can't sit in the same the seats next to them at like sporting events or anything, because of uh, male masculine toxic toxicity. And the, uh, and the kids are like, oh, mm, and dang. that's the uh, yeah. That's what I'm you say. Like. You say masculine toxicity. 
I did because I kind of I kind of like it right okay I like that I do like it I like it okay right Uh, how about you Sky that's good uh mine was uh uh, no I'm trying to see think I can actually think think of one better because mine's not but I can't uh (laughs) no I think it's just an urban legend of like uh I mean they just like drink water and stuff that's like insane (laughs) Like they bathe in it, they they douse their like vehicles in it. I mean, if um, if these were specifically the aliens from Signs, from then yeah, that exactly. would be really Those creepy. Aliens. Exactly. I didn't. I didn't when, specify when, and that. And I think though. specifically, they're like, no. When I went on Earth, one saw me, and they were drinking the stuff, and then they spit it out at me <laughs> to like attack. It was the most terrifying thing. I had to get out of there. Their greatest warrior is Triple H. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I do like that. Uh, I think it's a little narrow though. I'm I'm going to go with Kyle uh-huh. tonight as our Thank victor. Uh, so once again, we are starting at Mothman, the uh, humanoid creature who's had his own movie re- uh, not recently, a long time ago. I'm old. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know the the time the time uh, dilation is real. To, yeah. and, we, past year. and we are going to Douglas Adams. Yeah, the film oh. was two thousand two, which mm-hmm. was nineteen years ago. <laughs> That's last year. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> sorry, uh, did I oversell that? I'm sorry. Are yeah. you saying that? Did you say that the the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie? That's the one. Yeah. Oh no no no! He's talking about no, the I'm Mothman talking about the Mothman movie. movie. Yeah. Oh, that also Hitchhiker, might have been yeah. 2006. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy had to be before 2006 because I remember going as Douglas Adams for Halloween in high school once. How did you go as Douglas Adams for Halloween? How did? Oh you no, know? I didn't go as Douglas Adams. I went as Arthur. Okay, that's that's more. <laughs> Arthur I'm like I am famous I'm author Douglas Adams. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that just uh, made, that oh. just meant I had to like have a towel and. Be wearing oh like a oh oh i see okay uh it's 2005 so yeah wow well so you were in the moment absolutely one of the reasons okay. i chose mothman is because it inspired one of the greatest newspaper headlines of all time uh first newspaper report was published in the point pleasant register a west virginia newspaper dated november 16th 1966 titled couple see man-sized bird creature something <laughs> there's no exclamation point or anything in that and like, just, it's just 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 ellipses i'm like you don't even use ellipses that often in in headlines and it's just no. it's like the person who wrote this is just extremely bored <laughs> they had so much room on that headline to fill mm-hmm. i mean you just they have like to include the word something in I can, particular i can just imagine the editor yeah. sending this back to the writer with whatever in the headline circled and said this is a bit too harsh can you can you change this they're like uh something like okay that works done okay uh mothman in the west virginia folklore and i i like that it specifies in west virginia folklore which is to say uh any folklore from anywhere else this is not true but in west virginia the folklore is this the mothman is a humanoid creature reportedly seen in the point pleasant area from november 15th 1966 to december 15th 1967 
there's the aforementioned headline there. The national press soon picked up on the reports and helped spread the story across the United States. The Mothman was introduced to a wider audience by Gray Parker in 1970. Hey, a wider audience of the U.S., I'd like to introduce you to The Mothman, and was later popularized by John Keel. In his 1975 book, The Mothman Prophecies, this is a real book? I did not realize this was a real book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm learning so much tonight. <laughs> Tim, if, if really honestly, if you had asked me to, to tell you about The Mothman, like at prior, I guess, prior, what, 2002? Is that what you said the mm-hmm. year the movie was? I would have suggested probably, and I guess after too, that this is just an extended joke that like people have done. I did not realize there was a real book that someone had written. Even, I mean, even of course, like as a folklore thing, I did not know that. <laughs> I mm. thought this. I thought people have just been making like an extended lore of this. I'm amazed. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much fun already. Uh, okay, let's get into it. Uh, history uh, uh yeah of november 15 1966 do young couples from point pleasant roger and linda scarberry great names mm-hmm. oh and these Steve are and mary oh wow yeah, yeah Stephen mary mallet oh a- absolutely fantastic like 50s b movie yeah. names oh yeah 100 percent. absolutely uh tell tell casting they did a great job <laughs> uh, told police they did a uh, they saw a large gray creature whose eyes glowed red when the car's headlights picked it up they described it as a large a uh, quote a large flying man with 10 foot wings unquote following their car while they were driving in an area outside of the town wait i'm sorry hold on i read this twice and okay while they were driving in an area outside of town known as quote the tnt area unquote the site of a former world war ii munitions plant Cool. Boomtown, baby. Yeah. Boomtown. Okay. Guys, I feel like we can workshop this. You have a former World War II munitions plant. Yeah, Boomtown's better already. How do you just call it the TNT area? TNT area. <laughs> I'm I'm really disappointed in these kids. Like, come on. You can do better than this. Okay, uh, anyway, yeah, uh, oh, and Batman, of course, played a part in this because it was popular at the time. And, okay, and yeah, all right. Anyway, uh, uh, they talk about following the December 15th, 1967 collapse of the Silver Bridge and the death of 46 people. Okay, the incident gave rise to the legend and connected the Mothman sightings to the bridge collapse. What? how how that's cited three times but it but the wikipedia page here does not say how it connected to the incident it's yeah i'm not quite sure that connection either i guess they want us to read the citations and make the connection themselves Mm -hmm. or ourselves anyway okay Uh, let's see Oh, wow, there's a lot more here about the analysis of it. What do they say it is? Um, Owls. Yeah, owls. Lots of owls. (laughs) Lots of owls. Just a whole bunch of them. Synchronized owls. Just an an owl king sort of Mm -hmm. situation? Yes. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I would love for it to be that. Uh, conversely, Joe Nichols says that a number of hoaxes followed the publicity generated by the original report, such as a group of construction workers 
who tied flashlights to helium balloons. That's Come amazing. on. That's great. No, Tim, no. That's great. I love it. That is not great. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Do There's not tell no me. Way that holds up. <laughs> there is no way anyone can be terrified of a flashlight tied to a balloon. Apparently it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I approve. I, I feel like if you're going to go to the length of tying flashlights to helium balloons for this very, like, it's it's not, no one's getting hurt by this. It's fine. Practical joke. <laughs> Well, next time you come up, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll just, we'll launch, we'll launch flashlights <laughs> from Sky's backyard. We'll have a great time. We'll I live too close to the uh, airport to do that. <laughs> oh, we will that's be true. Arrested. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We'll have a, we'll have a Mothman launch. Uh <laughs> Oh my, okay. That's very good. Uh, let's see. According to, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, only the report of glowing eyes was secondhand. Okay, sure. Um, according to University of Chicago psychologist David Gallo, uh, 55 sightings of Mothman in Chicago during 2017 published on the website of the self-described Fertian uh, researcher Lon Strickler, also a great name, mm-hmm. are a selective sample, quote-unquote, uh, Gallo explains that he's not sampling random people and asking if they saw the Mothman. He's just counting the number of people that voluntarily came to report a sighting. According to Gallo, people are more likely to visit paranormal-centric websites like Strickler's might be more inclined to believe in and therefore witness witness the existence of a, quote, inside the quote, Mothman, end quote. A man of the moth. (laughs) Oh, no, I... (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a that's a priest too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes that is that is uh, mothman after his time at seminary oh comes the man of the moth uh <laughs> confess was... to me my child yeah you don't have to i already know i have prophecies <laughs> <laughs> well the problem really is that they can't have him around the altar because they light the candles and it's just like you know it's uh, it's the anyway. but on the other hand it's it's the most like vivacious <laughs> mass ever because they're just like dancing around that the entire time. Whoa. Can you believe these candles? Yep. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> I gotta make something work here. <laughs> I've been <clears throat> I've been trying to buy myself time and try to find something on this page to get me closer <laughs> to Douglas Adams. Uh. Sure. Wow, I'm just not really. I mean, I, the thing I have that's a plan, easiest, and I think I hate myself. So oh, go ahead. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, well, you're gonna hate thing, me more than I hate myself, though. Go ahead. Well, well. Uh, the thing that's jumping out at me here is Alien. Um, I don't know if that's what I want to go with. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, right? Yeah, probably. I definitely. I like that Men in Black is here, and yeah. Uh, do I want to click Men in Black? Like it's, but it's not capitalized, so it's not the franchise. It's no, just... but no, I know that the I franchise is based on the Men in oh, Black. Oh, there is <laughs> the, the Men in no, Black. The Men in Black is a. I'll tell you right now, it's the sure. urban legend kind of spooky version oh, of Men in Black. Yeah. It's entirely different than what you see in the movies. 
Oh, really? Yes. But it's the same thing, right? No. It's like government agents <gasps> coming to It's life. like kind of government agents, but they're also aliens. Or they're also oh, really oh. weird. They're really creepy. Yeah. I see. Okay, so it's more like a situation of a, you know, like a, uh, like a, a shadow government outside the shadow government situation. In a sense, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm going to just click alien and see what I get. Okay. What how how are we going to how are we going to hate you, guy? What are you going to go for? Uh I don't mm. <laughs> so the connect I'm going to click on Batman. <laughs> Yay. You're not gonna hate me yet, but I'm not. I'm just, no, I know. Yeah, I'm because I'm now I'm just confused. I think you can put them together. No, okay. <laughs> I did. I I studied graphic novels uh, professionally, so <laughs> maybe you're maybe I'm making a connection you haven't. Yeah, I mean, I I took I took masters classes oh in graphic in graphic novels. Well, so. I oh, need man. to know. I need to hear more all that about tuition this money thing. that I'm yeah. still paying off uh, is now paying off. <laughs> is it though? for me? Well, maybe we'll see. Yep. You'll have to determine whether or not the people from Wikipedia thought that, that the things that were important are the same things that you think are important. This. Oh, I'm sure they will. And that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, so uh, uh, alien directs to extraterrestrial intelligence. Yeah, this is not what oh. I thought it was going to be at all. Great. Uh, extraterrestrial intelligence, often abbreviated ETI. I love I love that they specify often abbreviated there as to say that we talk about this all the time. And so it is often abbreviated this as opposed to just putting in parens ETI afterward, which is what you would do like a normal person. <laughs> Uh, refers to the hypothetical intelligent extraterrestrial life. The question of whether other inhabited worlds might exist has been debated since ancient times. That's cited? That's cited? Oh, so hmm. good. Uh, the modern form of the concept emerged when the Copernican Revolution re- demonstrated that the Earth was a planet revolving around the sun and other planets were, conversely, other worlds. The question of whether other inhabited planets or moons exist was a natural consequence of this new understanding. It has been become one of the most speculative, speculative questions in science and is a central theme of science fiction and popular culture. All right, let's see what I got. There are several people named here. This is a very a much shorter page than you think it would be, honestly, <laughs> for the possib- possibility of talking about intelligent extraterrestrial life I do. I do want to make this note here. Uh, intelligence is among the. I'm sorry. Um, intelligence is along with the more precise concept of sapience used to describe extraterrestrial life, with similar abilities as humans. Another interchangeable term is sophancy, which. Oh. That's an awesome term. <laughs> Sophancy, first coined by Karen Anderson and published in the 19, 1966 work, uh, works by her husband, Paul Anderson. He spells Paul P-O-U-L. Mm. And I just, one, sophancy is a great word. I like that. And then Paul, spelled Paul. 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 It's, it's good. I like it. Anyway. 
Okay. Um, this did not pay off for me. <laughs> there are... Uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. I... There, there aren't great links here for me because I really thought they would give me some, like, some kind of, like, uh, list of, like, in pop culture, aliens, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, they have that in the see also section. Yeah. However, uh, well, and I, they include the wow signal here. Wow. The best, wow signal remains the best candidate for an extraterrestrial radio signal ever detected. It's wow with an exclamation point. Yep. I don't know about this, exactly. but it's great. Exactly as written. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's see. Do I want to do... Uh, do, 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 do... I don't want to do the Pioneer plaque again. We've been there. Um, I could just go for just an extraterrestrial life. Like, that's that's closer to what I was actually trying to do. I think that's what I'm going to click on. Extraterrestrial life. Okay. And then extraterrestrial culture. <laughs> okay. Batman. He is Batman. The man this page is of huge. the bat. Yes. Superhero. Who appears in American comic books. Published by DC Comics. Uh, it's created by Bob Kane and writer Bill Finger. Uh, and debuted in the 27th issue of the comic book Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's Bruce Wayne. Spoilers. What? Um, what? Yeah, the millionaire played that, that rich good do well. Or whatever yeah. you call it. Uh, no, we'll let that ride. Well to do. Early... That's it. Well to do. Do nope. too well? That rich well to do. He is doing too well, to be honest. Yeah, it's true. <clears throat> Someone needs to tax him. In early 1939, <laughs> the success of Superman and Action Comics prompted editors at National Comics Publications, the future DC Comics, to request more superheroes for its titles. In response, Bob Kane created The Batman. Uh, collaborator Bill Finger recalled that Kane had an idea for a character called Batman, and he'd, <laughs> <laughs> he'd like me to see the drawings. I went over to Kane's, and he had drawn a character who very much looked like Superman with kind of like reddish tights, I believe. With uh, boots, no gloves, no gauntlets, with a small domino mask swinging on a rope. He had two stiff wings that were sticking out, <laughs> looking like bat wings. And under it was a big <laughs> sign, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> the bat wing-like cape was suggested by Bob Kane, inspired as a, chi- by, as a child by Leonardo da Vinci's sketch of an uh, ornithopter flying device. Oh, oh, are you kidding me? Really? That's uh, Fingers suggested giving a howl instead of a domino mask a cape instead of the wings and gloves also remove the red he said uh he's man figure did a lot of work here figure said he devised the name bruce wayne for the character's secret identity uh quote bruce wayne's first name came from robert the bruce the scottish patriot wayne being a playboy was a man of gentry i searched for a name that would suggest colonialism i tried adams hancock then i thought of mad anthony wayne uh, he later said uh, su- his suggestions were influenced by Lee Fox popular The Phantom, uh, which is a syndicated newspaper strip at the time. Yeah. Um, let's see. 
Yeah, they just sort of like riffed off of already existing superheroes for like the gadgets and like sort of the look. Um, like doing his deeds in secret kind of came from Zaro. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, oh, I like we get the other side of this. Um, this is Kane uh, talking about when he told Finger about the about Batman. One day I called Bill and said, I have a new character called the Batman, and I've made some crude <laughs> elementary sketches I'd like you to look at. He came over and I showed him the drawings. At the time, I only had a small domino mask, like the one Robin later wore, on Batman's face. Bill said, why not make him look more like a bat and put a hood on him and take the <laughs> eyeballs out and just put slits for eyes to make him look more serious. <laughs> At this point, the Batman wore a red union suit. The wings, trunks, and mask were black. I thought that the red and black would be a good combination. Bill said the costume was too bright. Color it dark gray to make it more ominous. And Cape looked like two stiff bat wings attached to his arms. As Bill and I talked, we realized that these wings would get cumbersome when Batman was in action and changed them into a cape, scalloped to look like bat wings. That, that, so when he was fl- flying, uh, when he was flying uh, or swinging down on a rope. Uh, also, he didn't have any gloves on, and we added them so that he wouldn't leave fingerprints. Basically, <laughs> Kane's like, "Hey, making a new making a new superhero is Batman. <laughs> Everything's wrong. Fix him." Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I would have been, too. I would have been like, "I got this new character called the Batman." I would have been, "Stop! Did you just say the Batman?" Yeah, clearly the Batman. Yes, the there's Batman. only one of them. Yes, I mean um, they don't the say they thing... don't say the Superman. Yes, but they, they will after this. Oh. It's the Superman. Uh, it's up in the Superman. sky. It's the bird. It's it it's the, bird. the Wonder Woman. <laughs> it is the plane. No, he's faster than the speeding bullet. The speeding uh, bullet, <laughs> which is also a superhero. Uh, oh no! Uh, I just want to talk about, of course, abilities. We got to, you know. Batman has no inherent superhuman powers. He relies sure. on his own scientific knowledge. I was really thinking in the in the, like the the creation story it would be like, hey, so Superman was really popular. I was like, what if we went the opposite way? But apparently not. No, he's just like I'm, <laughs> I put some wings on this guy, and gave him some red tights. What do you think? Um, so of course, you know, he has access to all these technologies. He's very wealthy. Da 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 da. Sure. Batman has trained extensively in various different fighting styles, making him one of the best hand-to-hand fighters in the DC universe. He is fully he has fully utilized his photographic memory mm-hmm. to master a total. How many different forms of martial arts does this Wikipedia page claim that he knows uh, oh, that he's wow. mastered, Kyle? Oh boy! Uh, on you know conservatively, I'm going to say 37. 127 different there we forms go. of Thank martial arts. Not possible. Including but not limited to Aikido? Uh, yeah. I, I can't. Uh, Aikido. Uh, the, Aikido. The, yeah. the, the, Boxing. Well, the thing the thing that you don't know, Tim, is that uh, a lot of martial arts like are very relative to each other. It's like learning uh, a romance language. Oh, where yeah. You, where you, if you know one, you basically... If you know... <laughs> if you learn French, you basically know Spanish. <laughs> like, uh, right. like that's, that's how a lot of martial arts really are when you get down to it. He knows judo, he knows fencing, he knows karate, he knows kenpo, kickboxing, ninjutsu, sambo, 
taekwondo, oh, wrestling. All the cool ones. Yeah, all the cool does ones. He know, know the names does, he know, does he know Cop, Cop of Caparia? Capoeira? Yes. Capoeira? Does he know Capybara? Oh, oh my gosh. No, dude. but he knows Calaripetu. That's from Star Wars. That is. Uh, but yeah, he's in peak Olympic athlete level condition, uh, has, and has been for fifty years. Easily mm-hmm. able, which e- they've they've hyphened easily able, Oof. and then to run across and have hyphened run across. What? I don't understand what's happening. Uh, rooftops <laughs> in a parkour esque fashion. No, are you? Superman describes me. Batman as the most dangerous man on earth. Batman describes Superman as that that alien dude that I really hate. I hate him so much. I hate him so much, and I don't know why. Uh, but our moms, though. But our moms. Uh, that's all I want to talk about, Batman. Uh, because we'll probably be back here. Yeah. There's I was a- coming to see a certain person that you're going to groan at when I tell you. Do it. Um, do you? Can you guess? I'm blanking on it, but I'm sure there is it. The Martian Manhunter is that who you're going with? No, like, this okay. is a, this is a real person. This is one oh of the, a real ba- person, a real person, one of the people who wrote something for for Batman. Oh um, gosh! In the modern, oh, modern Frank age, Frank Miller. The, the mm, well, I guess I could see. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, oh. No. Uh, the dark, uh, the Dark Knight Returns is uh, Frank Miller's limited series, The Dark Knight Returns. Sure. Uh, yep. Yeah, but uh, I'm looking for uh, writer Alan Moore and artist Brian Bolland continued the Star oh. Trek with, with uh, the one-shot issue Batman: The Killing Joke, in which the Joker attempting to drive Commissioner Gordon yeah. insane, cripples Gordon's daughter Barbara, and then kidnaps and tortures the Commissioner. Yeah. Bad. It's a bad um, comic. I'm going to retake that because I actually don't want to. No. Yeah, I got it. Uh, I didn't read. You know, I was reading that as I was going. Yeah. You can. Um, I mean, we can just say it's a killer. Who I'm look- yeah. Who I'm looking for is uh, writer Alan Moore and artist Brian Bolin continued uh, the dark trend with 1980s 48 page one shot issue Batman the Killing Joke. Uh, mm-hmm. That's about the Joker. Um, Alan Moore. I'm clicking on Alan Moore. Okay. Oh boy! I'm so sorry. Well, sorry, extraterrestrial <laughs> life. Oh, uh, I this page. What's happening here, like Tim? Yeah, I look the 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 images that you see. Like when I see the title "Extraterrestrial Life," I want to see some extraterrestrial life yeah. in the photos, not a bunch yeah. of robots and satellites, because those aren't. Well, he... This is the problem that I consistently have with Wikipedia. As Tim. as much as much as the world adores and anthropomorphizes the Curiosity rover, it's not alive. It's adorable. It's adorable. It is adorable, yes, but right. it's not an extraterrestrial life. That's true. Um, there is a section on this uh, that does a. Um, th- there there is a section of this page or an image on this page that does accidentally do like a really bad, like an existential crisis situation that I've just dropped into the chat. (laughs) (laughs) At the top of the image, it just says, what does life produce and produces in all bold. And it shows (laughs) a ray of light, (laughs) a ray of light uh, careening into the atmosphere, uh, splitting into the prism and then reflecting off of a tree. (laughs) 
it's on, just, the, on the surface of the earth and just, bouncing back into space into nothingness. It just reminds me of Among Us. It's just what, it's oh, what sure. it looks like. Like all those little like uh, molecules little, little, just look like little yeah, Among yeah. Us dudes. Oh my. Yeah, that's that's very funny. No, it's just it's just accidentally very existential. I like how it's one giant tree on the planet Earth, like like it's yeah. Idrasil. Oh yeah, this is <laughs> this is definitely a world tree situation, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you'll look closely, you'll also notice that there are five uh, patches of grass on the entire planet, mm-hmm. uh, drawn in a way that makes them look like they are in fact small wildfires, <laughs> but green. So, yeah. I think I saw this tract one time in a bathroom. <laughs> this does feel like a very chick tract yeah. situation, right? Yep. Oh my gosh, it actually yes. It's got like the, exactly the text has that like. font, like Yeah. What does life produce? What does life produce? Oh what my. The emphasis is on uh, produce. Well. Oh no. Oh no, it's about the yeah, the, it's the tree. The answer the answer is in the question. Yeah. Oh, what does wow. life produce? Produce. It's it's the book is called <laughs> To Sir Produce. Uh uh the okay. <laughs> I'm this page this is the con, the continuous problem that I have with Wikipedia that I come here looking for goofs and in fact find fact uh or even like an assumption of fact. Uh, extraterrestrial life is hypothetical life that may occur outside Earth that, that which which did not originate on Earth. Thanks for the most boring explanation. Mm-hmm. A definition of what extraterrestrial life could be. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> such life might range from simple uh, pro- prokaryotes, prokaryotes. I'm going to go with that. To intelligent beings and even sapient beings, possibly bringing forth civilizations that might be far more advanced than humanity. Cited three times. The Drake equation speculates about the existence of sapient life elsewhere in the universe. The science of extraterrestrial life in all its forms is known as astrobiology. Cool. That's the most exciting this page gets. Uh, (laughs) That's it. Uh, They talk about the possibility... Oh, you would love to see this, but like how they they break down the possibility for each of the planets that we know of Mm. uh in our solar system the the chances of that of that planet having uh extraterrestrial life on it if we've seen any evidence of anything that could even have led to it in terms of like water or ice or anything like that and then anything that seems to like hey we could have had a riverbed here it also includes even like Ceres, like some of the dwarf planets and the and our moon as well on there. Like huh, it mm-hmm. it's a exhaustive <laughs> in every sense of the word breakdown of each of the planets and their possibility to sustain life. Great. That's what I came here for. There's no pop culture, there's no <laughs> there's no media references. I'm so <laughs> frustrated. Uh, I, there is one link that I love here. Um, I'm sorry. Did, did, talking about the... Did we mention the moon real quick? I mentioned that it's on here. Did we mention... So, one of the early scientific inquiries into the topic appeared in an 1878 Scientific American article entitled, Is the Moon Inhabited? Okay, <laughs> cool. 
Decades later, a 1939 essay by Winston Churchill concluded that the moon is unlikely to harbor life due to the lack of an atmosphere. Way to go, Churchill. Thanks. (laughs) I'm sure nobody had figured that out by then. 1939. That's so far into the, like... The here's science a, of that. Here's a, here's a, here's a 1939 essay by Winston Churchill. Did you know things can't live where there's no atmosphere? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it, it's a wonder that no one quotes that. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe this could be a situation, one of those other situations where uh, again he gets quoted for a thing that was not actually his. I mean, this, um, no, the thing. This, this is this, he wrote an essay. I, I, I yes, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yes, the thing that I uh, very much enjoy on this page. Uh, where did I lose? I lost that for a second here. Ah, here we are. The Drake equation has proved controversial since several of its factors are uncertain and based on conjecture, not allowing conclusions to be made. Uh, this is the this is an equation that determines the possibility of life on other planets. This has led critics to label the equation a guesstimate, or even meaningless. Guys, guesstimate is linked. There's a <laughs> there's a Wikipedia page for the word guesstimate. Neat. I really want to click it. I really, really do. <laughs> but <sighs> in fact, I have to try continue on my my road here uh, through. <laughs> I should have tried to figure out some way to get to towels because that definitely would have worked. Uh, no, the words the 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 phrase science fiction here is here at the top oh. finally to say it's had a cultural impact the the possibility of extraterrestrial life. So I'm clicking science fiction. Okay. All right, that sounds promising. Uh, Alan Moore, graphic novels favorite uh, mountain man. <laughs> yeah, here he is. He's just a feral cat, is all. He Writer is. and magician uh alan moore i'm sorry did you just say magician that's what oh, it we'll says there. and occultist uh yeah yeah occultist i believe watchman <laughs> v for vendetta sure. ballad of hollow jones swamp mm. thing batman the killing joke and from hell big ones um yeah he's a british uh a british comic books graphic novel writer or at least was uh, i think he's retired now um wrote a lot in the 80s and 90s um uh Moore's work has provided the basis for several Hollywood films despite his objection. Um <laughs> there was a From Hell film, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh sure. B for Vendetta of course and Watchmen. Uh Moore has also referenced or been referenced in popular culture and has been uh recognized as an influence on a variety of literary and television figures including Neil Gaiman and Damien Lindroff. Uh Neil Gaiman is who I came here for. I knew they were friends. <laughs> And I figure Neil Gaiman and I, Neil Gaiman wrote something in the Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxies like companion book, sort of like a, a, you know, they had authors write like little segments about how that it was influential on them. So, yeah, uh, but I'm not even gonna have to go there. So uh, he was born in 1953, uh, <laughs> um, and then. Uh, Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. He went to the Northampton Grammar School, where he first sure. came into contact with people who were middle class and better educated, and he was shocked at how he went from being one of the top pupils at his primary school to one of the lowest in the class's secondary. Um, 
subsequently unlock or disliking school and having no interest in academic study he believed that there was a covert curriculum being taught that was designed to indoctrinate children with uh, punctuality obedience and the acceptance of monotony um quote lsd was an incredible experience <laughs> not that i'm recommending it for anyone else but for me it kind of it hammered home to me that reality was not a fixed thing that the reality that we saw about us every day was one reality and a valid one but that there were others different perspectives where different things have meaning that were just as valid that has a profound effect on me so you know how tim sent something about the daylight savings time in australia yes Mm -hmm. this is how i feel about it whenever Mm -hmm. they're like making up like well 7 30 down here when it's 8 30 down here now it's like ah yes i'm seeing a peek behind the curtain this is all fake (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder is are time zones like the best argument for like a like the the your reality is not my reality situation like are we even seeing the same color you know like that kind of thing right i don't know yeah anyway go on sorry yeah um uh, he began publishing poetry and essays in 19 in the 1960s um he set his own fanzine up embryo uh, he became involved in a group known as the hampton arts lab um and then he began dealing with hallucinogenic LSD at school, being expelled for doing it in 1970. <laughs> uh, Sorry. He later described himself as one of the most one of the world's most inept LSD dealers. Um, what? Well, if you're gonna be bad at something, yeah. Hey, yeah. yeah. The headmaster of the school subsequently got in touch with various other academic establishments that I'd applied to and told them to not accept me because I was a danger to the moral well-being of the rest of the students there, which was probably true. Yeah, don't disagree. Just, wait a minute. Just imagine, like, a job interview, and they're like, so what is what is your greatest weakness? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh... I'm bad at dealing LSD. <laughs> I'm terrible at dealing LSD. <laughs> I'm just the worst, you know, like I've tried a couple times and I just, you know, I can get pretty far into it, but I just can't seal the deal is what it, what it really gets down to. Uh, He had an office job for a while and then he abandoned it because he wanted to do something more artistic. Really? Um, (laughs) He started to write and illustrate his own comics, produced a couple of strips for several alternative fans in the magazines. Um, uh, he succeeded in getting an underground comics type series about a private detective known as Roscoe Moscow. Oh, oh man. Wow. Who was investigating the death of rock and roll published. Um, yeah, earning him 35 quid a week. Uh, he had a daughter at that time. So things were just kind of wild. Uh, in 1979, Moore created a new comic strip known as Maxwell the Magic Cat. Um, yeah, under the pseudonym Jill DeRay. Hmm. Sure. Sure. Um, da, 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 da. He, uh, he earned a further 10 quid a week from this. He decided to sign off of Social Security and to continue writing and drawing Maxwell the Magic Cat until 1986. Uh, he stated that he would have been happy to continue Maxwell's adventures almost indefinitely. <laughs> this is his <laughs> life's work as Maxwell the Magic Cat. Uh, but ended the strip after the newspaper ran a negative editorial on the uh, on the place of homosexuals in the community. Uh, meanwhile, Moore decided to focus more fully on writing comics rather than both writing and drawing them, stating that after I'd been doing it for a couple of years, I realized that I would never be able to draw well enough and or quickly enough to make any kind of decent living as an artist. Yeah. Um, okay, but, good for him to you know to make a choice like that. That's fair. 
Yeah, it reminds me when I was looking for jobs, I'd be like, hey, we're looking for a writer and graphic designer. And it's wow. like, yeah? Yeah. Um, Man, he did stuff like vaguely based on E.T. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this was called Skiz. Oh, he did things that were vaguely based on a lot of things. It's true. Um, you might say that he had trouble with original ideas. I, I mean, you might say, possible. someone might say it. I, I I definitely wouldn't, but someone could, you know. Oh, I think he says that somewhere in here. How he's <laughs> more about taking things that are cemented and like dislodging them and making them into something new. Ooh, mm. how subversive! Oof. Yeah. Sorry, um, I, I I have feelings about him. Let's see. Da, 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 da. You know, he's got themes here. I don't know. Actually, here we go. In a number of his comics where he was taking over from earlier writers, including Marvel Man, Swamp Swamp Thing, and Supreme, he used the familiar tactic of wiping what had gone before, giving the hero amnesia and revealing that everything he'd learned to that point was a lie. Mm. Um, In this manner, he was able to start afresh uh, with a character in its series. It was not constrained by earlier canon. Um, Joe Rubenstein... uh, uh, an artist gave an example that a comic creator would be limited to uh, what he could do with Spider-Man and added, unless you're Alan Moore, who would probably kill him and bring him back as like a real spider or something. <laughs> yep. Sounds right. Yep. Um, won a bunch of awards, fill annotations. All right. You want to talk about magic? Um, <laughs> so uh, on his 40th birthday in 1993, he openly sure. declared his dedication to being a ceremonial magician, something he saw as a logical end step to my career as a writer. A uh, according to a 2001 interview, he his inspiration for doing this came from uh, when he was filming From Hell in the early 1990s. Um, uh, oh, writing. Sorry, not filming. Uh, there is a movie okay. From Hell, but this, he was writing sure, sure. it. Uh, there is a movie much- From Hell. Yeah. He says, uh, one world balloon in From Hell completely hijacked my life. A character says something like, the one place gods inarguably exist is in the human mind. After I wrote that, I realized I'd accidentally made a true statement. (laughs) And now I'd have to rearrange my entire life around it. The only only thing that seemed really to be appropriate was to become a magician. I love that. That's a great quote. Uh... Moore associates magic very much with writing. He says, I believe that magic is art and that art whether that be music, writing, or sculpture, or any other form, is literally magic. Art is... Oh, he's, he's a performance artist. That's all it is. Art is, like magic, the science of manipulating symbols, words, or images to achieve changes in consciousness. Oh. Uh, indeed, to cast a spell is simply to spell, to manipulate words, to change people's consciousness. And this is why I believe that an artist or writer is the closest thing to the contemporary word for a shaman. Uh, so that's what he's... Wow, that, that, wow. That's what he's up to. I mm. think he before chooses... that, he was like... Wasn't he like into a snake god? Sure. Control F snake. <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, Moore took as his primary deity the ancient Roman snake god Glyson. Um, Great. Who was the center of the cult founded by the prophet known as Alexander of Abenactus. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, so there's all these different sections, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's one that's friends and hobbies, and it's literally less than one line long. <laughs> Oof. Ow. Says that he's a member of the Northampton Arts <laughs> Arts uh, Lab and takes walks with the novelist Alistair Fruish. Um, he's also a friend of writer Neil Gaiman, 
whom he once called Neil, Neil Scary Trousers Gaiman due to his reaction as he described the script of uh, From Hell. Uh, what? Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He. So he. They. They thought it was. They thought it was notable to mention the fact that he calls Neil Gaiman scary pants. Yeah. I guess because like, maybe that's Neil all Gaiman they have for. <laughs> that seems that's that that's why he's a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah. Do you think? Do you think it's one of those situations where uh, he has he he's grown up, uh, you know, unable to make human connection, and like the way that he's seen friendship modeled is that you call someone scary scary trousers or scary pants. I think and so. That he just keeps trying this on people, hmm. and you and know, eventually it and, fit perfectly because it. it because Neil is known for scary things. Yes. And dark yeah, yeah. stuff. So the fact that he scared Neil Gaiman makes it like appropriate. It's the only time that it's ever been appropriate. Right. And that's, right, right. that's why he's a magician. And that is. <laughs> uh, anyway, in- Independent Period of Mad Love, 1988 to 1993, inspired by Douglas Adams' novel, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. More reasons to solve a climb holistically. Yeah, so there Holy we go. Holy crud. There he is. I, I, didn't, I thought I had a few more steps, but he's right here. I didn't realize uh, that Douglas Adams wrote that book. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Tim, have you ever read any part of it? Like, No. It's very Douglas Adams. I'll have to give that a try. Yeah, you probably it, would like it. You just take like a slight left at Lewis Carroll. And you, I listened and to the basically, like, Yeah. Yeah, I listened to the to the audiobook a long time ago. Oh wow, the audiobook would have been bonkers. That I would have had a lot of trouble following that. Yep. yep. Um <laughs> good job, Sky. Yeah, I'm clicking on Douglas Adams. Nice work, Sky. Thanks. Of course it doesn't look like science me. fiction had Douglas Adams on it. Which yeah, is kind somehow, of a surprise. Yeah. 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 Somehow uh Douglas Adams not mentioned on this page. The uh the movie the Joaquin Phoenix movie recently, her uh, was on that is on that page. Uh, that, oh yeah, that got a mention here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that, but that's like you know a cultural touch. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, definitely that got a that got a mention. Uh, but not not uh, Douglas Adams. Not even no none of his work is mentioned here. Like nothing of it is here. Wow. Like not mm-hmm. not not uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Not it, it, like there's no mention of him on this page anywhere yeah mm. that is that's a crime we could always just add them i know i could but also that would take work Cormac what? mccarthy's on this page what wow david barnett has pointed out that there are books such as the road uh by Cormac mccarthy uh that use recognizable science fiction tropes but whose authors and publishers do not market them as science fiction. Ah. Uh, Galaxy Quest like is Cormac on McCarthy, here. McCarthy. Yeah, I feel like Cormac McCarthy would be upset that he's on this page. Of course, I don't know him as well. Again, Sky. <laughs> uh-huh. Would would Cormac McCarthy be mad about being on the science fiction page? Uh, he's probably mad about being anywhere on Wikipedia. Fair. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that I got. I I don't want to go into this page because it's it's bonkers. And yes, and, and also it didn't help me at all. So, <laughs> mm. so forget you. 
All right. Yeah. Douglas Adams. Yeah, did a lot. Sure is. He's he's yeah. won the Ink Pot Award. Oh yeah. That's just what it says. <laughs> I don't even really know what it is. Um Apparently it's given out by Comic Con International. Mm. Uh at the San Diego Comic Con. And he won it in nineteen eighty three. Nice. Yep. He's an advocate for environmentalism and, and conservation and a lover of fast cars. <laughs> And he loved the Apple Macintosh. Wow. Who didn't? Yep. Also a self-proclaimed radical atheist. Yeah. Uh, Douglas Adams, under the disambiguation, uh, includes an American engineer, an Indo-European professor of English, an American football player, and a Major League Baseball player, a music journalist, an American television producer, um, an American cricketer, and a Canadian ice, ho- ice hockey player. Those that there's a lot of Doug Adams out there, and he apparently missed the boat of being some kind of sports person. Huh. It looks like that's it was a requirement, but he did not follow in that line. Let's see. Anything interesting about his life? Um, he was writing stories in school, became known for it. Only student ever to be awarded a 10 out of 10 by Hal- Halford. Um, I don't know if this is yeah. Frank Halford, uh, his fo- his form master. Um, he only, he's the only one that got a ten out of ten for graded writing. Something he remembered for the rest of his life, particularly when facing writer's block. <laughs> I got a ten out of ten that one time. I can figure this out. Aww. Um, yeah. Some of his earliest writing was published at school. Um. Designed the cover cover of one issue of Broad Street and had a letter and short story published in the Eagle. These are all things that I don't understand because I don't know a lot of UK mm-hmm. uh, culture in the from the nineteen sixties. Um, uh, on the strength of an essay on religious poetry that discussed the Beatles and William Blank, he was rewarded an exhibition in in English at St John's College, Cambridge, uh, where his father had also been a stu- student. Mm-hmm. Sure, okay, I see how it goes. <laughs> um yeah and he became a writer as, uh, as one does wrote yeah he wrote it for flying circus um da, 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 da. they have in here that he is he is quoted as saying i love deadlines i love the whooshing noise they make as they go by is that's cited here now i have to know is that like do we play the like that he's the first person who's ever said it like that thing it sounds as though people are trying to say that yeah hmm. yep it is what people are saying hmm. wow um yep he wrote a bunch of stuff worked on doctor who wrote hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy um it was a concept for a science fiction comedy radio series pitched by adams and radio producer simon brett to bbc radio uh four in 1977 came out he came up with an outline for a pilot episode as well as a few other stories uh reprint reprinted in neil gaiman's book don't panic the official hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy companion so i wasn't you know too far off there that could be used in the series. According to Adams, the idea of the title occurred to him when he lay drunk in a field in Innsbruck, Innsbruck <laughs> Austria, gazing at the stars. He was carrying a copy of The Hitchhiker's Guide to Europe, 
and it occurred to him that somebody ought to write a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Whoa. <laughs> Boom. Upsell. Uh, despite the original outline, Adam said that he made up the stories as he wrote. Um, da, 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 yeah, that sounds some... right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, working on the radio series, he developed problems keeping to writing deadlines that got worse as he published novels. He was never a prolific writer and usually had to be forced by others to do any writing. <laughs> this, yeah. includes be- this included being locked in a hotel suite with his editor for three weeks to ensure that So Long and Thanks for All the Fish was completed. Uh, he's quoted as saying, I love deadlines. I love the whooshing noise they make as they go by. Yeah, that's, yep. that's a great, great quote. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide is five books that uh, made up, you know, Make one series. Made up of paper. Yep. Uh, the Jerk Gently series. Um, let's see. Last Chance to See. Wrote out two other novels. Uh, new cast of characters. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency was published in 1987. Uh, described as its author as a kind of ghost horror detective time travel romantic comedy epic, mainly concerned with mud, music, and quantum mechanics. Sounds um, good. That's about right. It was derived from two Doctor Who serials Adams had written. Um, Adams played the guitar left-handed and had a collection of 24 left-handed guitars that, when he died, having received his first guitar in 1964. He also studied piano in the 1960s. Pink Floyd and Proctor Harum were important influences on Adams' work. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Um, personal life activism. All this stuff. Ugh. <laughs> very exciting extremely uh he died from a heart attack uh had culinary artery disease and didn't know it so yeah. he died at 49 which is um, a shame yeah uh two days before he died uh the minor planet center announced the naming of asteroid 186110 arthur dent oh funny mm-hmm. in 2005 the asteroid 25924 douglas adams was named in his memory um yeah is there anything here you wanted to to mention tim that i didn't talk about um i do find his uh his book titles interesting and i would i'm I, i should i should probably pick it up and read it to find out i just am interested in knowing why the the posthumous collection was called the salmon of doubt it's a great that's a great question yeah it just you know it might not be the first thing i would imagine coming up with for a title for like a a posthumous almost kind of tribute sort of publication but (laughs) there probably is a very good reason and i will find that out uh it's probably a uh like a six layer pun essentially Mm mm-hmm I do based see something on something here I that mention. was very heartfelt it sounds yeah. it sounds delicious i i love salmon mm. the 25th of may uh first celebrated in 2001 uh was uh towel day in innsbruck austria where he first had the idea for hitchhiker's guide and the first Aww. one was two weeks after adam's death so they apparently have been and they just have uh they just have these big red flags that say don't panic on it around the, around the town that's kind of sweet yeah pretty cool mm-hmm. well uh, neat Tim, what made you come here uh i do not remember 
Um, it was, I don't oh. think it was any routes that, that either of you took. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I went from... <laughs> well, it's fine. I'm kind of curious now. Hold on. I'm going to check real quick. Um, you can see the links that you clicked. Yeah, but they're hard to find. I feel like Adams would appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I should reread Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, it's I haven't in several years. Yeah. Idea. Yeah, I read it in like high school. Same. Uh, How have we not talked about this? Right? That's what I was. That's the other thing. I'm like, oh man, Douglas Adams. I don't think we've ever we've ever actually yeah. gone with them so let's do it yeah very good uh yeah i don't even remember what i clicked on on the first page so there we go that's sure. fine i feel like he would appreciate that regardless i like if you click on the, the tnt area back in mothman takes you to yep. a picture of a beaver it what oh. yep it takes you to mcclintic ah. wildlife management area Oh, it's a yeah. wildlife. And it's just a nice... Oh, it's just the thing. Yeah, yeah. a nice little North American beaver. Uh, <laughs> the area still contains stored explosives. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Beaver, get out of there. <laughs> beaver, don't jump on that. No. Oh, no. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining me on this interstellar-ish journey. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like more, we should know better. Of course, we are all over your podcatchers. You know, that's just where we live. <laughs> if you would uh, like to give us a review, please do so. We'd be happy to have uh, your feedback. You can also find us on Blogspot at wskbcast.blogspot.com, as well as wskbcast on Twitter. Uh, is there anything else that either of you would like to plug? Uh, just that this this little uh, this McClintic Wildlife Management Area. Uh, is a trophy buck hunting area that it only allows bucks with an antler spread of 14 inches or more to be taken uh, from this area. I cannot believe that this gets a Wikipedia page. Uh, it, I like that it also specifies rustic camping is available seasonally at the WMA. Nice. So go, go check it out, I guess. That's what I'm plugging. Nice. I don't have anything. All right. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, wait, I do. Sure. Uh, Go on Twitter, go to every lot underscore USPS. Follow them, and every half hour on your feed, you'll get a different uh, post office from around um, the United States. Oh, wow. That's nice. Just get a picture. Yep. I like it. Wow. I'm surprised that they don't specifically just say that it's a post. Like, it's posted yeah. on Twitter. Oh, right. This feels like a pun opportunity. Well, you know, you know what? I think because some of them aren't quite post offices, uh, some of them might just yeah. be places where you can send mail from. That's true. Um, they're, they're, sometimes they just look like people's every... houses. There, there oh, must we... be one that used to be a Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh yeah, that you can tell there has to be a post pizza. Yeah. Pizza post. Pizza post. Oh, I'm trying to get something. There, there's a joke here somewhere. Can you imagine a service that delivers you pizza? Yeah, it would be revolutionary. Yeah, it'd change everything. It would be good. All right, you all have a great night.
and and it would be called <laughs> Good night. We're going. We're going. Bye. Right. <laughs> Just get a bubble mailer full of like <laughs> pepperoni. Uh, I mean that does sound uh, kind of good, honestly. It just kind of goops out cheese and yeah. Detroit style. Uh, oh no! All the all the sauce. I mean, the sauce is added at the just, end. Yeah, we're just describing a lunchable, but oh, no, larger. The, oh, gross! Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh man you just I mean you get it in the envelope and you just stick the envelope in the microwave no <laughs> you can't do that it's a bad idea watch me just... <laughs> watch me do it once cause then the microwave will be destroyed <laughs> one time one time it's worth doing oh, very good. it's worth doing once <laughs> Anything that's worth doing. Yep. Oh, my. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, very good.